You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I want to welcome you today to our fourth episode of Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. We hope that you've been enjoying these episodes. And again, I want to ask you, as I already have, to go ahead and share this on social media with those that you know, friends and family, uh, church members, fellow Christians, and also go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can know every time a new episode is launched. And we are looking forward to the topic that we are going to address today. We've talked about several things already uh, that are really hot topic, hot button issues of our time. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at disagreeing respectfully with Chris McCurley in Abilene, Texas. There are so many disagreements in our world and knowing how to handle them from a Christ-centered Biblical perspective is so important to influencing people the way that God would want us to influence them. Now, last week we heard from Chase Turner about anxiousness and finding ways to have peace in your life, especially during a very difficult time like we are living in right now. Today's topic, going off of what we talked about last week, causes a tremendous amount of anxiousness and tremendous amount of angst, and that is the topic of social media. I'm young enough, as I'm sure many of the listeners are, to remember the beginning days of Facebook when it was just for college students, when there were no pictures, when it was in its infancy. And Facebook in those days really was just about connecting with people. And over time, Facebook has turned into a platform for politics, for hatred, for division, for gossip, for slander. And when you scroll through your news feed, just like I scroll through mine, at the end of the day, you may finally just turn it off and say, where can I go to find peace in my life? I can't find it on the news, can't find it on the internet. And now Facebook and Twitter and Instagram send me to bed in a bad mood every single night. Now, social media is not going away. It's a very important part of our culture, a very important part of our world, a really good tool for the church. So what we're going to do today is discuss how to use social media in a way that glorifies and honors God. I've asked my very good friend, Keith Harris, of Little Rock, Arkansas with the Windsong Church of Christ to come on today and to talk with us a little bit about how we use social media to glorify God. Keith, we are glad that you're here. 
Thank you, Jacob. I'm glad to be joining. Thank you for the invitation. Well, Keith, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family before we get going. So I'm married to Lindsay, and we've been married for almost 20 years. Uh, and we have two kids. We have a son who's 15. His name is Cade. We have a daughter who is 12. Uh, her name is Zoe. And we've been in the Little Rock area since 2012 and really enjoying our work with the Winsong Congregation. Lindsay and I are both graduates of Harding University. And following our graduation, we moved to Batesville. Uh, I actually followed Chris McCurley as the youth minister when he left and went to Cassville, Missouri to uh, be the pulpit minister there. Mm -hmm. So I started in ministry then in Batesville uh, before moving here then in 2012. So what you're saying is that you cleaned up Chris's big mess that he left in Batesville. It was a challenge, but we worked through it. Uh, it took several years, but finally, you know, we worked through it. Yeah, those poor people in Abilene. I hope Chris is listening <laughs> to this as we speak. Well, I know that you have to be uh, very talented to follow a guy like Chris. I know you did a lot of great work in Batesville, and I know of your work more recently in Little Rock. I used to lead worship for the Windsong Church when I was a student at Harding, and I know that uh -huh. they are very happy and blessed to have you and Lindsay and your family they're serving them. If you're ever in the Little Rock area, uh, it would be a great move on your part to go and visit Winsong one weekend. They're on, uh, is it Highway 430? Is that right, Keith? It is. Yeah, off to, uh, well, I don't guess it matters what direction it is. It's on Highway 430. Right at, uh, right at the north edge of 430. Yeah, yep. beautiful building, and you'll hear a, a great sermon from Keith. But I wanted Keith to come on and talk about this because Keith has just finished a series for one song that obviously he's done virtually because of COVID. But uh, I think the title of the series, Keith, was Before You Post. Is that right? Yes. Okay, yes. So tell us a little bit about that series. Okay, so well, something that we've been seeing, something that I've been seeing, as I'm well aware that everyone else has uh, over really the past few months, is that more and more it seems that people are... Uh, feeling free to just share their opinions, no matter uh, who it may hurt. And so I think there are a lot of times where uh, we say things uh, that we may not realize that we're saying that may really impact someone else, you know. And so that series was involving uh, the fact that we needed to ask ourselves with regard to our communication, whether it's uh, verbal communication, whether it's through email, text message, or uh, the myriad of social media platforms, we need to ask ourselves some questions about the things that we say. So is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it clear? And, and those questions are, are, are pretty generic and you can find them if you do some searching on uh, our communication and thinking before we post. Those questions are asked in a varied way by mm -hmm. different people. But I just wanted to call our folks back to uh, the reality that the things that we say are vitally important. Uh, you know, Jesus said that uh, with our words, uh, will be justified and with our words will be condemned. And so we're going to be held accountable, Jesus says, uh, for every careless word that we speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so from, from that aspect, we need to be putting a lot more thought 
into the things that we communicate. And I think sometimes people feel like they want to hide or that they can hide behind the computer screen or behind their smartphone and just uh, just type their thoughts in as though it's not going to hurt anyone else. Uh, when in reality, um, we're finding uh, even Christians uh, facing the temptation to say things uh, that they ought not to be saying. Right, right. And that point is so well taken, because I think we're living in a time, as you've alluded to right now, where it's not only how you say things, but why you say things. And maybe mm-hmm. more than ever, do we need to be more cognizant of the way that things come across? You know, uh, years before, really, the only platform that the church had for putting out information was a church bulletin. And, you know, we would uh, just panic almost, making sure that nothing was said in a bulletin that would send a wrong message, sometimes to the point of it being comical. I remember uh, reading one bulletin one time that was talking about uh, child care being offered for a church, and the wording in the bulletin said, for parents who have children and don't know it, we have child care <laughs> on Sunday mornings. And and laughing about that so much, like, what kind of parents don't know they don't have children? Oh, what you're trying to say is they don't realize that child care is offered. But we have reached a whole different level now with social media of every word, if not every syllable, can be taken out of context. Yes. Or used in a vehement, hateful way on purpose. And so Mm. um, watching every word, every almost letter of the law type of mentality is certainly beneficial in the times in which we're living. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 today uh, for our listeners who are tuning in. Uh, If you don't know anything about 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy is kind of a part of a trilogy of letters that we often call the pastoral epistles, where the Apostle Paul writes three letters to two different preachers. Two of them go to a young preacher named Timothy. One of them goes to a preacher named Titus. But this is the second letter in the volume that goes to Timothy, who is ministering to the church in Ephesus. And Paul talks about many different things of ministry and the preacher's life. But we're going to look today in 2 Timothy 2, Uh, verses 22 through 24, which is kind of a repeat of what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 6. So he touches on this at least twice in two letters. But I'll read the passage for us, Keith, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Paul says, "...to flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart." But don't have anything to do with foolish, and I'm reading down the NIV. The NIV goes ahead and translates it stupid. (laughs) Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. Hmm. Now, Keith, I don't know how much you've kind of studied the background of Timothy as a person. Uh, I'd love to get your opinion on this. My understanding is Timothy's probably uh, between the ages of 35 to 45 at this point. What do you think about that? 
In my study, that seems to be the the age range that I would put Timothy in. Okay. Uh, I know that some time has passed between when Paul uh, left him in Ephesus and this point at which Paul is writing now this second letter to him. And I would I would say that's probably the age age range that Timothy would be in. Okay. So he's old enough to be leading a church. So we're not talking about a teenager, but he's Mm -hmm. young enough in the faith and really life in general, that Paul, as an older man about to die, feels like he needs to instruct Timothy on this life of ministry. And I think it's interesting how he begins in verse 22 by saying, you need to flee the desires of of youth, these evil mm-hmm. desires. And I think he connects an evil desire of youth to having quarrels and getting in pointless arguments all the time. Do you read it that way? That's the way it seems. And, and certainly maturity, obviously, is something that Paul... Uh, writes a great deal about in his other uh, letters. But this particular point um, is given the fact of the background of what's going on in Ephesus and the fact that uh, Timothy somehow seems to have um, some worry and anxiety with regard to his leadership uh, with this congregation. There's, There's certainly... Uh, an element of maturity within this particular text that Paul's saying to him, listen, the, the things that you need to be pursuing are the things that, generally speaking, mm-hmm. those that are immature don't pursue. Mm-hmm. So flee those things that are passions of those that are immature mm-hmm. and run toward or pursue those things that are righteous righteous uh, and faithful and loving and peaceful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And obviously then uh, Paul is wanting him to understand what it looks like to be a leader among God's people. Mm -hmm. Um, Recognizing that there's people that are there in Ephesus that are seeking personal gain from the things that they're teaching. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the first chapter in Paul's first letter to Timothy, uh, he tells him, you know, uh, they talk about things that they don't even know about, Hmm. but they do so trying to draw people to themselves. That kind of concept is there. And and, uh, in that context, if you remember, Paul is urging Timothy to stay there. Don't leave, continue doing this work. But now, later in the second letter, he's saying, make sure that you are leading God's people in a mature way. Don't don't go back to those uh, youthful passions of immaturity, but right. make sure you lead as a mature follower of Christ. And that's so interesting. You bring up what he says in First Timothy about these people. They talk about things they don't even know about. I mean, we're obviously not seeing that today in our culture because everyone is an no, expert. Not at all. In infectious diseases. You know, I saw someone post the <laughs> other day that as soon as quarantine happened and coronavirus happened, you know, I got my advanced degrees not only in infectious diseases but also economics. I can tell you exactly what the stock market's going to do. I can tell you exactly what the diseases are going to do. And I can mm-hmm. tell you a little bit about, you know, what's going to happen with the election. You know, we have so many quote-unquote experts out there, uh, mm-hmm. when in reality, nobody knows. Nobody knows. But that's one of the reasons they become such quarrels is because we act like we do know. We do know everything. 
Um, now, there have been some, Keith, who have said, well, what Paul's talking about here with these foolish and stupid arguments is just uh, pagan religions and false teaching and mysticism and just nothing but philosophy. But as I as I read this, I think he's, yes, he's addressing those things, but I think he's addressing those things more in the book when he talks about um, myths and endless genealogies. Here, mm-hmm. he seems to be talking about just just don't bring up those things that you know are going to lead nowhere but a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like for, th- for those that are struggling with maturity and interacting with people, it, it seems as though they, they say something without really giving any thought to the impact that's going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one elder that I had in Batesville used to always say uh, about any discussion or about any decision that might be made or, or one that was made in haste, uh, he would always say the phrase, uh, ready, fire, aim. That seems to be the way that people are talking now and putting things out. They, they say something because oh, this is something I'm reacting to. I'm feeling this because I've read this and I disagree with it. So I'm just going to put this out. And I don't really think about the impact mm-hmm. of what I'm saying. Right. right. And maybe I don't really think through whether or not what I'm saying makes any sense at all. Right. Right. So here, here's a question, Keith. How exactly do we define something then? as a foolish and stupid argument. I mean, when does it cross the line from just being a discussion to being a foolish and stupid argument? That's a really good question. I think it has a lot to do with my understanding of the topic at hand, but also it has something to do with my understanding of the person to whom I'm conversing with. Mm -hmm. So you think about you know, are, are, do they really know what they're saying? Mm-hmm. You know, are they a credible uh, person to be speaking on this particular topic, whatever it is? We may know that that this may be an individual who says stuff, whether they know it or not, but they say it as if they do know it. But in our experience with them, we we've come to know that a lot of times they don't really understand what they're saying. So it deals both with what I know and with what the other person knows and my, my understanding of what the other person knows. So, for instance, if I'm speaking to a physician here in Little Rock, one who's been a physician for many, many years, uh, and I'm asking him his opinion about this pandemic, chances are some of the things that he is going to say, if not all of the things that he is going to say with regard to this pandemic are things that I can, um, you know, I can pretty well take uh, for what they are with his background in in the medical field, his understanding of diseases and viruses. He's going to know a lot more uh, than the the person down the street who uh, who may be a, a gentleman that works in in any number of other fields other than the medical field, mm-hmm. and so understanding who I am 
and understanding who it is to whom I'm speaking, I think that goes a long way to helping us understand when this discussion becomes foolish or stupid. So what I mean by that is this. If I know that the person sitting across from me telling me things about, let's just say this pandemic, and I know that they don't have a medical background, they don't have a political background, they don't have an economic background, then chances are I shouldn't stand firm if I disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when I do, I believe it's at that point then that this on our part becomes foolish or stupid. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense to discuss something with someone who really doesn't have a deep knowledge of that subject. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, dis- to, to enter into a, a discussion or an argument with them when it may not be clear that even we or they know much about that topic. Yeah, I think Jesus has a term for that, and that would be the blind leading the blind. That's right. Uh, you know, be like us having the audacity to have a discussion with Noah about how to build a boat. Like, no, we know better. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. uh, actually, I think I do. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. A couple things you're saying there. One, knowing who you are. Okay. What is your expert level? And two, knowing who I'm talking to. If those two things don't match up with the expectation of the conversation, it's probably going to lead to a, a foolish and stupid argument. And I, I did mm-hmm. one more, Keith. Uh, evaluating the platform or the venue in which I'm going to have that conversation. Mm. I mean, has anyone ever been convinced of anything through Facebook? Like if I'm on the fence about who I'm going to vote for, oh, you posted an article from CNN or you posted an article from Fox News, well, now I'm convinced. That just changed my ballot at the ballot box. Right. You know? uh, You're not going to change people's mind through social media is you're going to change their mind through a relationship and the timing in which you choose to post whatever you're posting means everything. I mean, you would not, you would not go up to someone who really needs to go on a diet to convince them to go on a diet when they are starving, you know, like, Oh, you haven't eaten in eight hours. Well, let's talk about you eating even less. No, Mm-hmm. You're going to talk to them about going on a diet when they are stuffed and miserable and thinking to themselves, man, I've got to make a change in my life right, right. now. Well, you're not going to have any luck convincing someone of the truth in a platform that does nothing but spur on hate and discord like social media do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that immediately leads to a foolish and, and stupid argument. Um, here, here's another question I have for you along these same lines. When does the conversation shift from informative to destructive? It seems to me that that shift would take place when I, in, in, in my understanding and in, in my conversation with others, when I move toward a personal, uh, I hate to say the word attack, but uh, a personal statement of, I can't believe you would think something like that. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of, uh, a feeling of a, an attack 
uh, on who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we may be thinking that, uh, but the, the moment we allow that to uh, either come through our lips or through our fingers uh, onto social media, the moment that we do that, uh, that's when it becomes personal. It's one thing to talk about or discuss a particular topic, but when I begin uh, name calling, mm-hmm. uh, when I begin cursing someone else, uh, whether you know whether it's through you know foul language uh, or through demeaning comments toward them, mm-hmm. that's when I'm in trouble, and this conversation has shifted to a point of being out of control. Right, right. And I think James has a lot to say about that. Controlling the tongue, it's very difficult. As a matter of fact, he said, you know, all of these wild beasts, they've, uh, they can be and have been tamed by mankind, but the tongue cannot be tamed. It's full of deadly poison because he says with it, uh, with it we praise God and we curse people who are made in God's image. Right. When I start doing that, that's the point at which this conversation is out of control for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's well put. That's well put. I mean, I'm glad you referenced James and, and James talks about quarrels in James chapter four as well, but the amount of damage that can be done through one statement, one text, one tweet is immeasurable, immeasurable in the world in which we're living today. Um, and apparently it, <laughs> it was that way then, or Paul would not have given these instructions. Mm-hmm. I don't think Paul's against dialogue here, right? Right. Or even even debate. We have the scriptural example of, you know, the prophet Isaiah and God pleading with Israel of come let us reason together. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. God's people reasoning not only about spiritual matters, but matters of this world as well. I mean, God's placed us here. We've got to learn to live within the system in a way that honors him and and glorifies him. But he says, don't do things that are going to produce quarrels. Now, I did a little bit of word study today on that word quarrels, how encompassing that, that word is. I mean, is that just a, a cheap shot here and there? Is that just a little bit of a debate and this word that Paul uses in quarrels in 2 Timothy 2.23 Luke uses that same word in Acts chapter 7 verse 26 Hmm. he's recording the speech of Stephen and in that verse it talks about Moses when he was a young man when he's in Egypt, he walks up on the two Egyptians having their fight, which mm-hmm. leads to the death of one of them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Moses is responsible for that. But the word there f- for fight is the same word that Paul uses here in Second Timothy 2 for quarrel. So this is more than 
just a disagreement. This is a disagreement that turns into a heated argument that turns into a long-standing life of bitterness and, and resent for other human beings, which is, I think, why Paul says in the next verse, the Lord's servant does not need to be resentful. Well, if you have a bunch mm-hmm. of quarrels in your life based on the meaning of this word, more than disagreement, you have heated discussions that turn into hatred, you're going to be a person who resents a lot of people, and you're going to be a person that no one else wants to be around. Right. Yeah, the word can also be translated as combat, you know, fight or combat or strife mm-hmm. or contention. And you, you think about those things, and if that, if that starts consuming me, just like you said, and I become a resentful person, the thing that's going to be damaged, not just the relationship, but very likely the effectiveness that I have to impact other people for Christ. You think about the way that, you know, the way that we uh, disagree. You know, certainly we, we disagree about a lot of things with a lot of people. And it's not as though that, that we are resentful toward them because we disagree. Some of our disagreements are very small. Uh, some of them are, are big and we do struggle with resentment. Uh, and I think that's what Paul is trying to help Timothy to understand is that if you enter into this dialogue that, that transitions to a conversation that's out of control uh-huh. uh, and you're, and you're, uh, you're entering into these conversations that are foolish or ignorant uh, these controversies, resentment may very well be the end result. And I think by extension then, Timothy, your effectiveness mm-hmm. as a minister for the Lord is going to be hindered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think I think in terms, at least here, when Paul is saying have nothing to do with these foolish or ignorant controversies, these stupid arguments, don't enter into that because you know that quarrels are going to result. And when quarrels result, your impact on other people is going to be diminished. Right. Uh, I say I say diminished. Your your impact for good is going to be diminished. You're still going to have an impact (laughs) on people. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it may be that your impact you're having is that you're pushing people farther away from God. Yeah. And so, especially on social media, there are so many people on social media that we have as, uh, as, as friends or as people who uh, may be friends with someone that we are. When they see uh, Christians engaging in foolish and stupid controversies openly, on Facebook for the world to see. I, I think this is a lot like what Paul has to say to the church in Corinth when he talks about don't take uh, your brother or your sister to to court. Don't sue your brother or sister. Now there he's obviously talking about uh, a legal matter. Mm-hmm. But the point being, what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians is, why would you want to take a discussion between you and a brother or sister in Christ to people who are not believers? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to open 
the the reputation of Christ up to all of these people who are not believers? Why would you want them to be engaged in a foolish or stupid argument between two believers? Right. And what we do is we damage uh, the image of Christ that we are supposed to be bearing to those unbelievers. Right. And it, it does not end well. Even when we feel justified and even when we feel like we win, we have lost for for the cause of Christ. Yes. Um, and I love how you helped define that word quarrel, too. You know, just that little line came in my mind. How do we know when something becomes a foolish and stupid controversy that turns into a quarrel when it moves from conversation to combat? Yes. That's how you know. When this is no longer a conversation, but now this is a war between me and you, whether it be emotional or verbal or spiritual, whatever it is, when we are no longer having a conversation, but we have engaged in combat, we have now entered into the realm of a foolish, stupid quarrel. And it will not end well. And so that's why Paul says, Timothy, you're going to be the Lord's servant. Um, You cannot live this way. Now, some would look at that and say, well, yeah, but he's just, he's just talking to uh, a, a preacher. And so, yeah, the standards are going to be much higher. But Keith, don't you think Paul could just as well say, uh, all of us are the Lord's servants? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think that, you know, we all have a responsibility and and certainly the things that we read through uh, not just the New Testament, but particularly through Paul's writings where he is urging individuals and whole congregations to recognize their speech, their interactions with other people. We've got to remember the history of what was going on in the first century. There were a lot of things that were happening in the different regions to which Paul was serving. Uh, And much of it was dealing with the interactions of those who believed in Christ and those who were uh, pagan Mm -hmm. and worshiped many different gods. As a matter of fact, Christians were looked down on because they they didn't interact in ways that everyone else in the city or the region were interacting because a lot of times the the civic functions took place in uh, in the temples for these uh, false gods and the christians didn't want to uh, interact in, in a way that would cause other people to think that they were condoning mm-hmm. what was happening and so because of that Uh, they were looked down on. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason that I'm saying that is because what Paul was dealing with in much of his writing, and I think here too, to Timothy in Ephesus, was the challenge that Christians were facing because of all of these other teachings that were going on. And, And for Paul to tell Timothy, listen, remember, be mature in the way that you act, you know, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, Make sure that you do this with a pure heart. You know, check yourself. Yeah. Uh, know who you are as a follower of Christ and don't enter into these foolish and stupid arguments or controversies because you know that's going to lead to quarrel or combat. So it moves from uh, a conversation to combat, like you said. Uh, and make sure that you understand the end result of this constant friction or conflict with other people is is very likely going to lead to resentment. Mm-hmm. And when you do this, 
when, when you're interacting with people in this way, uh, your effectiveness as a follower of Christ for all of us, not just Timothy, but for all of us, when we do these things that Paul is urging Timothy, and I think by extension us, when, when we do these things that he's urging us not to, hmm. we have to understand that our effectiveness as followers of Christ is going to be uh, vastly diminished. Right, 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 if not erased altogether. Exactly. Uh, and, and I love what you said earlier. We will have an impact, you know. Uh, <laughs> even sour milk has an impact. It's just not the impact that you want it to have. <laughs> so uh, to go through life thinking, well, I, this, won't, this won't affect anyone is just pure ignorance. It will affect someone always, and it's kind of up to us whether that's a good or bad effect. Yes. So I don't want to end on a on a negative note here because we have talked kind of negatively about social media and what it leads to. Um, but let's spend a few minutes as we finish talking about some of the positive things of social media and how churches and Christians can use social media to God's glory. What would you say about that, Keith? Sure. So... <laughs> As as we're all aware, as we have been experiencing this pandemic and 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 social distancing, where many uh, many churches are having uh, very limited activities as far as in person meetings. Some still are not having in person meetings, but many are, and 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 many are just having very limited uh, in person meetings. Much of what we are doing is now streaming and and posting to social media uh, lessons. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I have urged uh, our folks here at Winsong to do is to understand that even in a pandemic, we are still called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so just because there is uh, there there is something that's saying, okay, you, you don't need to go and do, uh, you don't need to interact the way that you always have. We need to have some social distancing. We, we need to make sure to limit the way that we are interacting in public, that, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't take away our responsibility to proclaim the gospel. And so the thing that I've urged our uh, members here at Winsong to do is take advantage of social media, share these messages that are being presented it, you know we we have friends in other congregations that are posting uh lessons from their ministers make sure uh, that the things that you're seeing where the gospel is being presented or messages from god's word are being put forward take an opportunity to share that whether it's online or uh, email it to uh, a friend or a neighbor or even uh, even use this as an opportunity to have a phone conversation with someone sharing the things that you're hearing and learning. Right. Uh, right. Don't abandon your responsibility to proclaim Christ to the world. And so social media, uh, it, it's, a, it's a platform that we can use certainly to further the gospel uh, and, and I think that our folks should be doing everything that they can uh, to, to promote uh, the teaching and the preaching of Christ. I would amen that, obviously, as a preacher and one doing podcasts, and this will be on Facebook in a few days. Um, but even if, 
even if we aren't preachy or teachy or posting our favorite Bible verse, just to create the dissonance of we will not post those types of things. It doesn't matter what we post. It's going to be positive. It's going to be upbeat. It's going to be about our family. It's going to be about encouragement. It's going to be about, you know, I'm thankful for this today. Even if you don't get into all of the spiritual implications of that, the very fact that you are not engaging in the negative uh, stab in the back, the sky is falling type of conversation, people notice that. People notice that. And eventually they'll start wondering, you know, why is it that they don't share what we like to call clickbait? Why is it that they are not um, liking statuses that are so negative? Why is it that they are not uh, talking about someone in a very passive-aggressive way without coming out and exactly saying who they're talking about? They just are a positive, upbeat person. It's another way to show the world we're different. We're different. We're citizens of a different kingdom, and so we live in a different way. That's a very, very good point. You know, there, are, there are things that I see being shared by, uh, by people that I know are Christians, and I see it, and I think, why in the world would they share that? Uh, and it may very well be that they're just not being diligent enough to, to, to actually read or to see uh, what is, is being shared. Right. Uh, and, and that comes back to where we, we started, the idea of really putting a lot of thought into the things that we communicate. Right. Uh, right. Whether it's uh, the subtle communication of me clicking like on a particular post. Right. right. We may not think a whole lot about that, but we have to manage to a perception. People see us, they know we claim to be followers of Jesus. And, and, I, and I think the thing, like you said, one of the things that we can do to, to allow people to continue to see that, even, even in the midst of a myriad of posts that, that are negative or hate-filled, we can be positive and joyful and, and praise God and show people that we're followers of Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Keith, I appreciate all of your insights and all of your, your comments about this today. Uh, now, you have a podcast. I believe it's called, is it Life? Life in the Rock. Life in the Rock. Okay. Lifeintherock.org. You can go there and uh, see my blog and my podcast. Uh, I would encourage folks to do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, as far as, uh, kind of the content, it's very similar to, to what you are, uh, engaging in here with your podcast, just essentially wanting to share with folks the challenges and the joys that come along with being a follower of Jesus and talk about things that are relevant, things that, that we deal with from day to day mm-hmm. and, and how can we, uh, reflect Christ to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. I know you're very talented at it. Now, you are one from personal experience who knows a positive use of social media because you created a video from the Winsong Auditorium where you are actually singing a song. What movie did that song come from, Keith? <laughs> 
I'm not really sure what movie it came from. Are you sure? You <laughs> it was. You didn't make it up. Yeah, go ahead. You could. Did you, you make it up, or did it come from a movie? No, no. It it came from a song. Uh, so far away was was uh, was my rendition. Oh, I uh, thought it was from Frozen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, look up me and Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. You and Elsa. So, uh, where could you find this video, Keith? Uh, you can find that video on, uh, life in the rocks, Facebook page. Okay. Uh, you can go there and like it and you can see all of the posts, whether it's, uh, the podcast or the blog posts that go there and other posts that I share on that particular page. Uh, and it should be down in the feed on Life in the Rock on Facebook. Okay. And what are your service times when things are normal at Windsong, if you're ever passing through Little Rock for those listening? Okay. So right now uh, we are having uh, an 830 service for those that are 65 and older. We're having a 10 a.m. service uh, that, that's open to everyone. Uh, normal service times would be 9 a.m. for Bible classes on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. for worship, uh, 5 p.m. for Sunday evening, and 6.30 p.m. for Wednesday evening. So you said there's a service for those 65 and older? Yes. Is there a discount for attending? <laughs> no discount. No, uh, no discount. I think no that's discount. smart, though. I think that's smart that y'all are... Uh, taking care of your church the way that you are. Well, Keith, thanks for all the things you had to say today. I know they were very well received by those who were listening. Thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate the invitation. Well, we thank all of you today for tuning in to Road Talk and navigating your journey. Hopefully these episodes are blessing you. Again, we ask you to go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Share it, if you will, on Facebook and any other social media outlets as we try to be positive and encourage people to look to the Lord during all of these troubles of life. As we always end, I want to remind you to keep your eyes on heaven. And also remember that along this road, there will be road work along the way. But here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready and help you navigate your journey. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next time.